This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Welcome to the PR Pod, the essential podcast for public relations professionals. One thing I think many of us are guilty of in PR, me included, is remembering the value of media training. You may have crafted the perfect angle and pitch and managed to secure an interview for your spokesperson, but if they can't communicate your messages succinctly, navigate challenging questions, or come across as an engaging interviewee, all that hard work can be lost. My guest for this episode is Shelley Horton, an experienced journalist who has worked in print, online and television in Australia for many years. She can be seen weekly on leading national breakfast and morning television shows, is in demand as an MC, and has been running her own production company and media training business, Shellshock Media, with her husband for a number of years. Shelley, welcome to the PR pod. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so what are the benefits of media training? Well, it's exactly what you said. You put in so much work into your business and then trip at the very end when you don't have someone who can can basically present key messages and you know what it's not just spokespeople or brand ambassadors it can be just someone who's running their own business and needs to sell it well so i think that media training is often forgotten or it's a last minute oh god they're terrible i need to you know quickly pour some money into this when really i think it should be at the start of a business plan Because what I have found is people who have done the training, it doesn't just help them speak to the media and get their messages across when it comes to doing TV and radio interviews. It helps with every facet of their business, their life. Just the confidence that it gives them has been just worth triple or more. Mm, and I guess internal communications as well, if you're delivering updates to your team or to the to the company and be able to deliver that in a way that inspires or provides yeah. confidence or something. And yeah, the interesting thing is I've had people do uh, media training who have absolutely no uh, desire to be in front of the media. But I had a female lawyer came came to do some training with me and she just said she was in such a toxic male environment that she would get that nervous red rash going up her neck every time she had to present in front of these awful men. And she's just like, I'm smart. I'm good at what I do, but I just choke. Mm. And so I worked with her and then I got that amazing text message just going, nailed it. (laughs) Just like felt like Beyonce walking into that room and that's changed her life. So I think it's for everyone. So give me an example of um, some of the people that you've worked with before. You know how... Sometimes you don't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. I am so happy that you asked me to do this podcast because it made me sit down and actually look at some of the clients I've worked with and I feel super proud. So one in particular jumps to mind and that's Lennox Hastie. He's the chef at Fire Door in Sydney. So he came to do media training because he was about to appear on MasterChef and he's such an interesting character and he was terrible. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, you know, get a sentence to run together. And he worked hard and I was so proud of what he did. And then Netflix approached him for the chef's table. Yes. He now, you can't get a, a, a booking at his restaurant for yeah. six months. Yeah. Now, I honestly believe if he hadn't done the media training, he wouldn't have someone like Netflix interested. Yeah. And so that's... Um, and, and, and at no point am I going to say it's just because of me. No, he's an incredible chef with a really interesting story. Um, but then I trained a cardiothoracic surgeon, Dr. Nikki Stamp, and she went on to do documentaries for Catalyst and with the BBC. 
Like just, mm. she, of course she's an expert in her area, but for her to take such a complex surgery and make it into everyday language yeah. made her an incredible expert that people are clamoring to speak to. Um, I also trained Renee Carter, who is the CEO of Adopt Change, and um, she works with Deborah Lee Finesse to try yes. and change the way that uh, adoption is being treated in Australia. And I loved working with her because she's just like an earth angel. But again, she was very stats and facts and government, and we humanized and talked about, you know, the kids who don't even have a backpack. Like they go from house to house with just a plastic bag. Oh, wow. And she ended up changing their entire comms because she realized that's how she was going to make a difference. Mm. Um, so, yeah, people like that. And then I've even had people who have to do auditions. So there's a, a pastry chef called Rochelle Adonis and she came to me. Um, she's Canadian and her husband works here. And she got a chance to audition for the Great Canadian Bake Off. Did the training, worked really hard, got flown to Canada for the audition. Wow. Nailed it, got it, is now in its third series. Yeah, right. So, like, there's some really cool stuff. Yeah. Even the um, the girl from Spell and, the, Spell and Gypsy, you know, the, they trained with me and then they gave these incredible, motivating, inspiring speeches when they won Telstra, you know, Business of the Year awards. And, you know, things like that mm. were just like... They were fashion designers and they didn't really know how to tell their story. Mm -hmm. But now they tell their story so well, it's inspiring other people. So it's not yep. just promoting their brand. It's inspiring other people to start their own business. So, yeah, I'm pretty proud. I would be too. It must be so fulfilling to be part of someone's, I hate to say the word journey, but their yeah. journey. <laughs> Don't say the J word. <laughs> I, I feel like a mother hen. Like yeah. when I see my people pop up on TV, I'm like, oh. They're one of mine. And then I still get text messages from a lot of people just going, did you see me on Sky News? Or I'm about to do Channel 7. And I always try and tune in and watch and, of course, give them yeah. a little critique. Well, it's nice <laughs> that they're proud of what they've been able yeah. to achieve. I think people know that it's hard and it takes work, but when you nail it, you nail it and mm. you can feel it in your core. Yeah. So you mentioned that... Um, you really should be looking to start to do those, that training early on. So it shouldn't be a case of I've got an interview to do next week. I mean, obviously, yeah. if, if that's the only opportunity to do it, to do it quickly. But so when is the right time? So it's, it's horses for courses. If you have a launch coming up where there's going to be a press release going out and you're going to have someone speaking about the business, you know, over a variety of different types of media, I would suggest that you do the media training at least one month beforehand because the way I describe it to people is it's like I'm teaching you new skills and a new language. So you can't then be perfect at it straight away. And a lot of what I teach people requires them to do a bit of practice afterwards. Now, I feel like a physio, like saying, so will you do these exercises and no one ever does them. I bet. But if they have a deadline of a launch coming up, that's a big motivator. Yeah. So then people are more inclined to do a few of the practice interviews and, and the things that I teach them. So what's your ultimate goal when you do media training with people? I mean, obviously people come in for a number of different reasons, but mm. if they've got the capacity to take one thing away from your sessions, what do you want them to walk away and go, yeah, okay, they've nailed that. They've, they've, at least they've got that element from the trainings. I think probably the biggest thing I teach is how to control your nerves 
because a lot of people are really good at what they do. They know their business and then the nerves mean that their throat tightens up, their thoughts get a bit jumbled, they jump all over the spot. And I just think if you can control your nerves, then you're going to be at your best. So that's probably the thing I work on the most with people. And then the second thing will be actually getting their key messages into regular conversation. Because what you put on your press release or your website sometimes isn't how actual humans speak. <laughs> no. And oh, they're, they're, not, they're not the questions that are being asked of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So trying to get it back into everyday conversation. And I just, I often say to people, particularly if they're like an, an expert where they're, I train a lot of doctors. So doctors, of course, have, they know so much. They're so good at what they do, but you put a camera in front of them and they freeze. So for me, it's making sure that they are completely comfortable and they know that they only have to get three points out rather than having this massive brain where they just want to talk and talk and talk. And then the poor journo is like, I can't use that because they just rambled. (laughs) So making everything concise and to the point. And you so you've mentioned lawyers, you mentioned doctors. Yeah. So I imagine your business. I, mean, I, I don't know when people think about media training; they think about CEOs of company and stuff. But like you've said, it really isn't necessarily about that yeah. sector at all. It can be absolutely anyone. So we have a bit of a specialty in the health area, and that's we've just kind of fallen into that. So lots of doctors and psychologists, and anyone who wants to be like the medical expert that the radio show goes to, or or has their own podcast or anything like that because these days you've got you know you're you're required to do web you know webinars or to um, make videos for online like it's not just being on a breakfast tv show like there's a whole lot of other areas where you're required to present well and I love working with people who are already really good at what they do and just breaking it down a bit to make them good at what I do, yeah. which is, you know, <laughs> play on TV shows. Um, so, yeah, we have fashion designers. We, we a lot of real estate agents and people in finance. Like a lot of people have said to me that not only are they wanting to do, you know, business shows and, and things like that, but it also helps them in sales. It helps them talking about their product. It helps them, you know, get extra clients. Um Samantha Dyback, who mm, was on yes. your show. So she sent me so many clients and I love working with her entrepreneurs. They're all very, very smart, you know, that real startup kind of energy. And then it was probably three years in when she went, I think I'd like to do the training. And I'm like, great. She's like, I don't really want to be in the media, but it'll be good for me. So she came and did it and she found it hard. And I think she's a perfectionist too. So she was so angry at herself because she's like, how have I run this business for so many years and I can't even tell you what I do. Um, But she put in the work and then she rang me a couple of weeks later and she said, I just want you to know I've picked up three new clients because my messages are clear. I know exactly what I do and I've practiced it. So when I'm talking to clients or pitching, it's all coming together. So that was kind of cool as well. Yeah. So when clients do approach you, how mm. do you um, how do you evaluate what it is they need? And then what is your spectrum of services that you can provide yeah, to them? So I'm all about making it completely tailored to that client. So first of all, they contact me and let me know what they want to do. So if it is launching a podcast or if it is that they're going to be a spokesperson for a new product or it could be that 
I really want to break into TV. So I need to know where they're wanting to go. And for me too, I, I always say to them, I, I feel like we're in a confessional, like you have to be brave enough to say it to me so I can help you. Yeah. So if you want to be Oprah, you got to tell me. Yeah. So we that's even that can be quite uncomfortable with some people. Um, we work, so then we work out what they want. Then I actually have a researcher who works with me and she does a briefing call and really works sometimes with the person who wants to do the training, but sometimes with the PR person or both. And particularly, like, I love working with PRs because they're like, we are going to target Sunrise. We are going to do this. And they just know who their hit list is. So then she creates interviews for those exact programs. So it might be Sunrise, 7.30 report, Kyle and Jackie O. There's no way you could give the same answers to those three, you know, different Mm. types of media. So there is a skill in changing what you're saying but still keeping your message clear. So we do that and then uh, I now do a lot, most of the media training virtually, which has blown my mind. That's amazing. I never would have I never would have no, thought that would and happen. Before COVID, I actually would never, ever have even entertained it. I thought you needed the in-person. In fact, we've all learnt to use Zoom so well now. A lot of the people that I train are very time poor. And mine is a four-hour course, so it, it is time intensive but then you're done you don't have to come back ever again which is really not a great business model but (laughs) (laughs) it's the reality reality of doing a good course i'm that good you don't need to come back yeah um so so i have a a one hour online course so some people choose just to do the one hour online by themselves and then the three hours is me basically doing all of these mock interviews if it's in person i can do that first hour either on Zoom or in person. But basically what I go through is things like controlling your nerves, um, thinking about what your key messages are and how you can make them not sound like you're selling because no one wants to listen to an advertorial. God, awful. Um, I also talk about body language and what to wear and, and uh, you know, getting in control of your gestures and things like that. And a bit of a snapshot about the media and the different pressures they're under and the different deadlines because not many people really understand digital has changed everything. But at the same time, yes, you should do talkback radio and there are podcasts that are very niche that would be perfect for you. And then the three hours is very, very, very practical. So it is completely tailored. They have to pretend it's live. I don't give you a chance to go oh oh, can we do that again because you can't do that in a media interview and I interview them in the different styles we watch it back instantly which again is quite confronting but the best way to learn because if you see yourself doing like a weird repetitive gesture yeah you're not going to do it again but if you don't see it you don't even know you're doing it. If someone it. just tells you you're doing it, you, you really have to visualize and go, oh you my visualize God, that looks it. Or strange. even just seeing is that you, your eyes dart up all the time when you're thinking yeah. of the next thing to say, or you yeah. say, um, 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 you know, as soon as you get that instant feedback and you're, it's, you know, you're having to be critical of your own performance, the improvements in the way that people uh, react is just phenomenal. 
I do warn people that not to have like an important business meeting or anything after my sessions. Emotionally drained. People are so drained (laughs) and exhausted and their brain hurts um, that they fall on the couch. I'm like, make sure, just go home, have a wine, lie (laughs) on the couch. Like your brain will be throbbing. But it's, so it's, it's really intense, but it's also so satisfying for me. And really satisfying if you look at the very first attempt of the interview and then the one three hours later and it's just their chest puff out and it's like, I made that. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and you mentioned, you know, um, ideally doing it, let's say, you know, you've got a set of interviews coming up for yeah. a product launch or something, ideally, you know, at least a month in advance. When they do that four hour sessions, what recommendations do you have post that session to kind of, you know, in the lead up to the moment yeah. they're going to have to be so, speaking? I can give you probably some little tips. Do you mm, want that? Yeah, yeah. give us tips. You want some tips? So my motto that I I don't have any tattoos, but it, this would be what I would get tattooed because it's the five Ps. Prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. Yes, I know and that And that's one. what it is, mm-hmm. right? So when people have done training with me, they go home with all of those interviews that are prepped. So they can practice and it takes practice. So what I suggest is... Again, I don't want to, you know, set unrealistic goals of you're going to practice for an hour, you know, every second day. That's not going to happen. I just ask for 10 minutes a week. Just give me 10 minutes, but put it in your calendar and treat it as a meeting. And I get people to record themselves on their iPhone because I had this amazing experience when I was a very young journo working at ABC at George Niggers Tonight. Mm -hmm. And I was a health reporter there and I'd only been on maybe six weeks or something. And I was in the canteen and a woman came up to me and she's like, you know, hey, congratulations on the new show. I'm Helen Graswell. I'm the executive producer of Australian Story. So instantly I was like, oh my God, (laughs) she's amazing. And um, she's like, you know, I love that ABC finds new talent, chat, chat, chat. And then she said, so have you had any presenting training? And I'm like, no, what, why do you ask? She's like, I have been watching you and I've seen a couple of bad habits. I'm like, oh, oh my Jesus God, Christ. that's terrifying. I know. She said, this is the amazing bit though. She's like, I can fix them. So I want you to, and this is dating myself because it was like 1991 or something. She said, copy some of your pieces to camera to a VHS. Mm, VHS. Yeah, yep. <laughs> okay. For those millennials <laughs> listening, just look it up. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and she said, come to my house on Saturday, bring a bottle of wine. Oh, how I'm like, generous wow. of her. So, of course, I was like in my 20s and I turned up in like a blazer, like, you know, like, like you're going to a job so interview. nervous. She was in Levi's and a T-shirt. <laughs> she grabbed the VHS and put it in the, the player and then pressed play but turned my back to the screen. So I've kind of adapted that into my own trick now. I call it the iPhone flip. So record yourself with some of your key messages or doing an interview, looking at your iPhone, then press play and turn the iPhone over. So the screen's down Mm -hmm. and just listen. So what you say should be like, you're having a conversation. It should be like you're doing a radio interview and you'll be able to hear if you're doing lots of ums and ahs, or if you're ending with an upwards inflection Mm -hmm. and you need to, you know, fix that. Then get the exact same video, turn the phone over, press play and turn the volume completely down and just look at your body language. And that was her, what she had picked up on me is my eyes would always flick up when I was trying to remember my piece to camera. 
And that's a very normal and natural thing for people to do, but horrible to watch. Yeah. So you have to, as soon as you break eye contact with the audience, you've lost them. So she said to me, once you're happy with your, the way it looks physically and you're happy with the way it sounds, you've nailed your presentation. So she's like, you can now practice that anytime. I guess it's about that isolating, isn't it? You, you become so distracted with yourself. If yeah. you're, I know I did a podcast interview um, a few months ago and uh, it was done remotely, but I was looking at myself. I mean, I didn't have to because it wasn't being video yeah. recorded. And I just had to literally turn that away and yeah. just talk because I thought, I keep, even though they're not even recording me, I keep thinking where my chin is and stuff. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. this is, why am I even looking at something that's not ever going to be used? So even so, here's a big tip actually, because I also have to teach people now how to do Zoom and how to do Skype because so many TV stations are relying on that because of COVID, um, and it's now cutting so many budgets that they're like, well, why would we go back to having to send a crew out? Um, put a post-it note over your face on the screen. Love it. I know, right? Because we're like budgies, yeah, and we're looking at it. Like, Who's a pretty girl? Yeah. Who's a pretty girl? <laughs> And you get so distracted by looking at yourself that you need to be tunnel vision looking at that little lens, which is hard. Yeah. I'm not even going to pretend it's not. It is hard. Luckily for me, because I've done so much TV, I'm used to it. But for other people, I'm like, this is what you need. Put a post-it note over yourself. And if you need to chop up another post-it note. This is very old, very high tech, but just write look with a big arrow to the tiny little lens on your computer and you keep eye contact right Mm -hmm. there. So for those that work at companies that don't have the budget to go out for media training, I'd love to give them a couple of additional little tips that they could then implement, whether they're their PR person or the corporate comms person, they're just doing a little bit of training. So, um, Curly questions. I guess when you're hit with those questions that you uh, know are going to trip you up or you expect might trip you up, yeah. what what kind of tips do you have for navigating those? Never, ever, ever say no comment. Ever. If you hear anyone say no comment, you instantly go guilty uh, or they're hiding something or you, it's so negative. Mm. And people do that as a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. So never, ever, ever say no comment. And then my biggest tip would be, be as honest as possible. And if you don't know the information, don't fake it. So if you're honest and positive, and it might be, you know, they ask, I had a a guy I trained um, who was a finance expert and they asked him something fairly simple, which was something about like the, the latest, you know, percentages for the house housing market, something that he should know. And he just had a brain freeze and he froze. And so he said, no comment. And like you could see on, on Sky News, this journalist is going, what? WTF? Yeah. I don't know. And he just panicked. Mm. Own that we are human and just yeah. go, I should know that. And I've had an absolute brain freeze, but I'll get it to you by the end of the day. Yeah. You know, if you own it, people mm. will actually be more empathetic towards you. And say, yeah, that's like me. I'm a go brain like a sieve. You know, they will be more compassionate if you are honest and open than if you are trying to cover something Mm. or fluff it and pretend that you are more important than you are. Okay, so what about when people are doing uh, multiple mediums? So they might be doing a TV interview and they're doing a radio interview and then they're doing a newspaper interview. What do they have to keep in mind in terms of the length of the answer or yeah. the content? What are those What are those elements to consider? 
A lot of this is where I would say rely on your PR person. Yeah. And the PR will be able to tell you it is on today's show. Therefore, you're getting four minutes or we're going to be doing 2GB with Ben Fordham. You're going to get seven minutes. You know, you kind of know the length of the segment depending on which interview it is. If you're having to navigate all of that yourself and, you, and you're not sure, listen to that program. And I know that sounds simple, but so many people don't watch regular TV or listen to the shows that they're about to go on. So make sure you're across it, watch what other people do, and then you can basically break it down into the who, what, where, when, why, when. Yeah. Who, what, when, why, how. Is that it? Yeah. Who, what, when, where, why, how. Yeah. Yeah, That's it. It's kind of, it's journalism 101. And the thing is you should be able to answer all of that about your business. And then my biggest, biggest, biggest tip is throw in some anecdotes. Anecdotes make interviews come to life. And if you're just giving facts and stats, it's like you're a robot and no one's going to remember it. But if you tell the story and paint a picture with your words, people will remember the anecdote. Mm. It's like writing a media release. You know, you need to bring color yes. into it. If you just are doing dot points, very corporate corporate speak, it, you, people lose interest. Connect. Yeah, so you need to be able to create a picture of what that product might feel like or smell yeah. like or that restaurant, you know, I had, the, looks I had like. the perfect example. I was training someone who was working in aged care, but it was private. So they would go to people's houses so that they could stay in their own home longer. And... Of course, the woman who turned up, she was angry about, you know, I need more government funding. And so she would be very facts and figures about what the government has done. And I'm like, I don't care. Mm. I don't care at all. Give me an anecdote. Tell me why this is important. And then she told me the story about Pearl, who's 85 and her husband's passed away and she's desperate to stay in her own home. So her family has agreed to pay for a carer to come on a Monday and a Thursday, sorry, Tuesday and a Thursday. And they will do things like make sure she's taking her medication and make sure she's gone shopping and stuff like that. But on the Tuesday, they go to the movies and it's an outing and it's socializing. And then she told me that Pearl's favorite movie so far was Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh my God. Pearl. I was like, I love Pearl. I want to make sure Pearl has access to these carers. Like yeah. it makes so much sense. Yeah. And I'm like, that is how you get people mm. to care about government funding for aged care. Yeah. It it's not about any statistics or any, you know, dollar dollar numbers. It is honestly about making it human. It's finding that connection, isn't it? What are, what are your audience going to connect with? And I guess the other distracting thing can be and you've touched on this is your mannerisms and hands and stuff. Yeah. So you've talked about having eye contact. Um, what should you think about when it comes to your hands, especially when it comes to TV interviews? You've got people yeah. with, you know, hands going everywhere. and Yeah, so I have a, I'm have a little bit different to other media trainers because I talk with my hands all the time. I swear, I don't know, there must be Italian in me somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> um, if I was told I couldn't use my hands, then I would be frozen. And then the if I had to, like, hold my hands together, then the – the muscles in the arms will tighten up and then it would go straight to my throat and all of those exercises to release the the nerves and and calm me down wouldn't be working. So I say use your hands if you want to, but think about using them to help make a point. So if you're making, there are three things I'd like to tell you about. Use your hands to do one, two, and then three. If you are, you know, 
think something's crazy. Use your hands to demonstrate that. So make sure that your gestures are helping reinforce your message rather than being distracting and not actually having any purpose. And I guess if you've done that either through a trainer or if you you haven't been able to afford a trainer and you're watching your videos back, you'll be able to see you might do some repetitive, annoying things that are not relevant or pertinent to what you're trying to communicate and you can hopefully then be able to minimise those. And minimise the ones that are just there because you're nervous and not actually helping tell your story. And and that is just you putting in a bit of work. And... And how do you minimize nerves? Is it just, is it come back to that practice and understanding your, your content, which I suppose a lot of, a lot of people do know their content. They're often talking about things they know very well. That's why they're their spokesperson Mm. for it. It's just conquering those nerves. How do you get on top of your nerves? So I was so lucky. My first job in journalism was with ABC radio in Melbourne. I was a crime reporter. Mm, I know. I love a dead body. (laughs) I honestly, I was out at crime scenes all the time and the great thing. And again, man, I'm old, but this was like 1994. um, ABC had a lot of funding then. And so they had voice teachers. So I had one hour of voice training every single week for the four years I was there. How glorious. Amazing. It's such a treat. However, the voice teachers were terrifying. They were these old, arthritic, gnarled ladies who were brutal with their assessment of you. And you would have to like read a fake bulletin. And if you took a breath in the wrong spot or if you used the wrong inflection, they had a meter ruler that they would slam on the desk. Oh, my gosh. Terrifying, right? Absolutely terrifying. And I would just, I would often come out of those sessions crying. Here's the thing to the snowflakes out there. You need a bit of that tough love sometimes. I now look back and I think that those voice lessons were more valuable than my journalism degree. Interesting. I've used those lessons everywhere i use them in my media training i use them before i go on tv i use them when i'm teaching people like it is incredible so some of the things they teach me that they taught me was um to think about the physicality of your body now i'm going to do this because it's hard because we're on a podcast but just get your two pointy fingers and find the back muscle of your jaw where the the hinge is it's up near mm-hmm. your teeth so yeah go up high yeah yep yep now it should be like a pretty hard knot yep Give that a really firm massage because that muscle works every time you speak, every time you eat, which is basically my whole day. Um, And if you grind your teeth at night, it's working all night, right? Now, it should be kind of sore because it's sore on everyone. Yeah. Now, pull your fingers away. Can you feel how much looser your jaw is? It's incredible. Wow, that's a good tip. Now that is just a hinge that you've applied a little bit of oil to Mm. and now that means that your words will come out more easily and your face is ready. So Mm. there's lots of tips and tricks that I teach in that area um, where, where it's actual physical exercises. And I have used these and I still use these and I think Going through some of those can also be a bit of a psychological trick as well. If you're like, well, I've done my exercises, so I'm going to be fine. Yeah. You know, and I I definitely have found that. Mm. And then the other thing would definitely be um, breathing. Mm. Now, I freaking hate yoga. Hate it. Can't do it. Yeah, I don't like it. I'm just too competitive. And and then my brain's too busy and like, oh, yeah, just drives me crazy. 
However, there's a form of yogic breathing that actually has science behind it. And it shows that if you inhale for a certain number, say you inhale for three, but you exhale to four, you actually activate the parasympathetic nervous system. And the parasympathetic nervous system is the one that calms you. So just by doing some of this breathing, you're going to calm your body down and you'll be in more control. And that's all that anyone really needs is Mm. just to get that bit of anxiety under control so that you can shine. So if someone was going to do some training in their, in their own workplace, yeah. the things they should be thinking about is doing some exercises or to teach this person some exercise about how to kind of relax and, yeah. to, and to breathe and to work through the nerves. Um, I guess it's about isolating key messages and what is it that, that you really do need them to communicate. Yeah. Um, what other things should they just keep on top of mind when they're putting I together think it's an just itinerary? making them practice. Like yeah. even if it's the PR practicing with the talent, Just sit down and make them say it out loud because you can't practice in your head. Mm. You actually need to get your mouth to form the words and make sure that you can, you know, turn things into, you know, fantastic sentences. Um, But also just help each other and understand that this is hard and have a little bit of empathy because it's everyone thinks that they should be able to do it, but it's a new skill Mm. and it is hard. And... I mean, I've got my online course. I think it's only $147. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's not a big investment to give you the tools for you to then help other people within your company. Yeah. So there are options. Of course, it's better if you do it with me in person. Of course. course. But I understand that there are businesses that they just don't have that extra extra cash. Mm. Do the online course. It'll teach you a lot. And then maybe get the PR person to come up with mock questions because every PR I know basically could be a journalist. Like yeah. they really can. Yeah. They know the issues. They know what and they, they want to get And they should there. know these programs or 100%. these segments or these, you know, they should be across those. They... So get the PR person to actually form them into interviews and practice, practice them as interviews. So have one that is short and sharp that's going to be for, the, for a news bulletin and then have another one that's a little bit more conversational that's going to be for talkback radio. Mm. And just practice doing that. Mm. So obviously with your services being available via Zoom, anyone in the world that's listening yeah. to this podcast could utilise your services. However, if for some reason they wanted to go with someone that's in their city or do something yep. face-to-face, what would you recommend they look for when they're trying to find a media trainer? I think my biggest uh, point of difference is I'm actually doing it. I'm on TV every week. Yeah. So there are a lot of media trainers and they used to be on TV or they used to work as a journalist 20 years ago, but things have changed so dramatically that I think you need someone who is actually has, has lived it. Yeah. So now I give lots of, lots of tips for zoom and Skype. Now there are journalists from 20 years ago who would never have done that. No. So having someone who is current, I think is vital And then it's also, you've got to like the person, you know, you don't want to have your uh, main talent who's about to go and, you know, spruik for your company, end up having no confidence because they've been browbeaten by someone. So they have, you have to have that sort of connection Mm. and um, just do a bit of research. Not many people put their prices online. So you're going to have to make an inquiry. I have all of my prices on my website. Because I'm like, I haven't got time to answer inquiries. You're either going to do it or you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. just cut it out. Um, but the prices vary dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a lot of media com- media training companies in particular will have different rates for corporates and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I would I would drive a hard bargain if I was you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are great tips. Thank you so much for your time today, Shelley. I have just loved it. I could chat all afternoon. I know. Can we just I wish. maybe have wine? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so if people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do so? Of course, just go to shellshockedmedia.com. That's our website. Or hit me up on Insta because, you know, Shelly Horton, at Shelly Horton 1, uh, I am basically don't ever not have my phone in my hand. It is an addiction I it need to work addiction. on. Mm-hmm. But slide into my DMs and I can help you out. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Um, and if you're in the first few years of your PR career and are interested in becoming more informed, confident and effective in your role, and are after even more practical tips and insight for working in the industry, take a look at the PR Pod Facebook group. Just search the PR Pod within the group section on Facebook. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com. <laughs>